if you want to. Oh, you can record it. Just so that I can check that I'm not teaching anything funky. Okay. Hi, Dad. Um, so verse um, 28. And one of, the, one of the scribes came up and heard them uh, disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. With all your mind and all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. There are no other commandments greater than these. And today I just want to ask the question, what does it look like to love God with all your heart? With all your strength and all your mind. But in particular, I just want to focus on your heart today. What does it look like? What does that even mean, to love God with all your heart? And I want to ask a question. Where does your affection lie? Where does your... Where does your... Yeah, I think the affection is the best word. Where does your, where does your affection towards? What is your affection towards? What do, you, what do you delight in? What do you devote yourself to? What do you devote your, your internal world, your thoughts, your dreams, your hopes to? And I just want to offer something today. But basically that, I feel like loving God with all your heart is something that needs to be cultivated, something that needs to be put into practice. It doesn't fall out of the sky and you don't go, you know what, today I feel like I really love God with all my heart. Unfortunately, it doesn't quite happen like that. There isn't a switch at the back that you can just go, 100% loving God with all my heart. So I just wanted to offer some really practical stuff today of what I do in my own... I'm being really vulnerable today. I'm just going to share what I do to kind of help my heart kind of tune in with the heart of God and, and allow my affection to grow. There's a beautiful proverb that I think just nails this on the head. that says, above all else, above all else, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. Have you got the clicker? Is there a clicker? No. I think I'll put that up. Oh, there it is. Yeah, could I have it just there? Uh, and uh, ESV says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows springs of life. And I feel like this is a really, really important, really important thing. We can do religion, we can do faith without any affection in our hearts at all. We can... We can be Christians, we can walk this life out with no affection towards God at all. We can do all the things that the Bible asks us to do. But it's, it's just so important that we just have that affection. And, and I think that's really important. This is not about being emotional, but this is about actually just allowing your heart to engage and to love. 
The picture that I had was wells. You know, we don't really use wells anymore. But basically it's when you used to dig a big hole in the, in the, in the ground and you put a little bucket at the top and then you lower it down, pick up some water, bring it up and have a drink. That's actually a really helpful way of imagining this. It's a really helpful metaphor that gets used in the Bible. And do and you remember the, the time when Jesus spoke to that woman of the well? He talks about his water bringing life, life eternal. That, he, that, that when she drinks of it, she will never be thirst again. And it's that same image of like, kind of, we need to know where our wells are. So today I'm going to show you where my wells are, but, and what they are, but they might not be the same for you. So it's good to know how you tick, how, you, how your heart works, what works for you. And if one, you know, if one particularly like you kind of go, I love that, you can obviously take it. But there's something about knowing where the wells are in your life. How do I connect with the Lord? How do I turn my affection towards him at the beginning of the day? Or at the end of the day? Or at lunch break? Or whenever? If I've got five minutes, do I know how to turn my affection towards the Lord? And it's like, it is a bit of a... um, There is a way you can do it. So I'm going to start with scripture. It's the, such a good place to start. And it's good to know, obviously it's really good to know the word, but there's going to be passages that really speak to you. And it's going to be different person to person. But it's good to know where they are. And you can just keep going back and back and drinking back and drinking and drinking. And you can read the same passage over and over again and get something new from each time but it's important that you know i'm placing some emphasis on you you need to know where they where they are so you need to know where in the bible it is and you need to be able to like be able to turn to it so it's really good to meet here on a sunday morning and, and have someone come and share the word with you but that is a fraction of your week that's like a tiny fraction of your life we need to know how to drink. We need to know how to drink him in. We need to know how to turn our affections towards him when we feel the opposite, when we feel like it's the last thing that we want to do. So, I hope you're with me. Let's... Um, So I'm just going to demonstrate it a little bit. So one of my favourite passages is um, is John, it's John eight. Yeah, man, I just love this passage so much. Gosh, man. And it's good when you read the word. You know. Feel like it leads into spontaneous praise or, or prayer, like just go for it, you know, just say it loud if you like. Um, so, so John 8 Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning. He came, he, he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him and sat down, and he taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who was caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher. This woman was caught in the act of adultery. 
Now, the law of Moses commands us to, to stone such women. So what do you say? And they said this to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. And Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. From now on, sin no more. Jesus, that was amazing. That was amazing. You are so merciful. You are so full of compassion. Thank you, Lord, for how you treated that woman. Thank you for how you treated that woman. Thank you that you treat me the same. Thank you that you're a God of compassion, that you delight in showing mercy over judgment. Thank you, God, that this is your heart, this is your character. I love your heart, Lord. I love how you speak to us. I love how you treat us. You're so good to me. Amen. How long did that take to read that passage and then pray? Five minutes? Because I think one of the things that I get hung up about is like, oh, I don't have the time. don't have the time for that. How do I fit a moment with God in? It's like when you know the wells, you can go there. I mean, I've read that passage so many times. And it never fails to move me. It captures my heart. It just, and it reveals something of the heart of God that I just need to grab and just hold on to. I think there are times if we don't understand the nature of God, we can misinterpret him later on. We can misinterpret the tone of his voice when we read other passages. If we don't, we don't know his heart. I'd love to turn to another passage that I just just share, share with you. You might not get it because people, this is a bit of a weird passage. But I love it. There's a guy called John Mark McMillan that wrote a song about it and it just, oh man. Yeah, Mephibosheth. What was it called again, the song? Carbon Ribs. Is it Carbon Ribs? Carbon Ribs. A cripple at the table. So it's the story of um, this man called Mephibosheth. You can see why it didn't get into the storybooks, because, you know, David's just easier to say, isn't it? We'll call him 
Mephibosheth. I'm just wondering whether I should read the whole passage right now or not. Probably not. All right, I'll read it quickly. And David said, I probably need to be a bit, back, a bit more background. So David and Jonathan, they had a wonderful friendship. They just loved each other. Oh man, I love that friendship so much. And they just had this wonderful, I'm going to serve you, I'm going to love you. And it's just, oh man. They just set the bar for friendship. And David, he's king now. Jonathan, unfortunately, has died in war. And he's thinking about Jonathan. He's thinking about his, his friendship. And, um, and he says, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? So he just wants to love him even though he's gone. And if I can just, um, just quickly paraphrase a little bit. Uh, a, servant, a servant heard about um, or knew of this this uh, this man. He is now a man, but he was a boy. When he was a boy, he was he was dropped. There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. Um, then King David sent and brought brought him from the house of. Oh man, love the Old Testament, but like. And Mephibosheth, the son of. Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth, behold, I'm your servant, he answered. And David said, I will restore to you all the land of, your, of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid, and he paid homage and said, what is your servant? that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I. And I totally relate to this guy. Oh my gosh. Being the presence of Jesus, I feel like a cripple. I feel like a, honestly, I didn't use the word dead dog, but I'm like, who am I to be invited to your table? And so I just love to meditate on that story but I place myself in the story. And, and David is, in a, in a lot of ways, he was a prototype of, of King Jesus. And the way that he restored Mephibosheth is just how he restored me. And I love just to get wrecked, just thinking about how just being invited into, into communion with him, being able to sit next to Jesus at the table and to eat with him and, and drink with him and for him to call me his brother it just wrecks me every time so no matter how rubbish I'm feeling about myself in terms of whatever might be going on emotionally whatever I love just coming to this passage and sometimes I do find myself saying what is your, what is your servant that you should show regard for a such a uh, for a, for a dead dog such as I and like I love David's response he doesn't even answer that question it's like don't be ridiculous <laughs> you are Jonathan's son you belong here at my table 
I love that. I don't know if it does anything for you, but I just kind of go, oh, Jesus, you're so good to me. You're so good to me. You don't even look at my rubbish. You don't even, like, even respond to my silly questions and my silly, like, but I'm, you know, I'm a dead dog. Yes, you belong here. You belong with me. You belong to me. So, I just encourage you, as you read the word, and if something gets you, if something kind of just captures your heart, make a note. If, or maybe someone, you, hear, you hear someone give a talk about a passage, make a note of the passage and go, I want to just sit with, on that one. I want to learn how to drink out of that one. And um, I think the listening to the song by John Mark Mimelon really just opened up that story for me. I think before I used to think it was a nice story. And then just hearing him just sing. Again, in, in, the, in the position of, the, of that young man, it just... Um, can you sing it for me, Paul? It's putting you on the spot. The, um, the, on, on his live album, he does a preach alongside it. Carbon ribs. Carbon ribs, apparently. I should know, shouldn't I? Carbon. Carbon ribs. Anyway, it might not work for you, it, it works for me. You're just hungry, it's all good. Um, so, he said, eat some carbs. Um, so that's the Bible. But I, I'd like to show another, another couple of things, if that's cool. The second one is poetry. I love poetry. I do this weird thing, though, that I think Chloe, my wife, used to it now. But I've got a little mission praise book by my bed. Initially, she was like, what is that doing there? But it's just, like, the hymns are beautiful. If you just read the hymns, maybe hymns we don't even read, we don't even sing anymore. Um, They're just beautiful, beautiful poetry. And I want to read a hymn to you that Terry Williams gave me a little while ago. And I've never even heard it sung, but I just love it. And he prints it off for me in a little, like, piece of paper, and I just read it from time to time. It's called Once It It Was the Blessing. Does anyone know that one? That's good then. Does anyone want to read this for me? Do you read this for me? Yes. Once it was the theme of the blessing. Now it is the Lord. Once it was the feeling. Now It is his word. Once his gift I wanted. Now the giver only. Once I sought for healing. Now himself alone. Once t'was painful trying. Now tis perfect trust. Once a half salvation. Now the uttermost. Once t'was ceaseless holding, now he holds me fast. Once t'was constant drifting, now my anchor's cast. Once t'was busy planning, now tis trustful prayer. Once t'was anxious caring, 
Now he has the care. Once was what I wanted. Now what Jesus says. Once was constant asking. Now tis ceaseless praise. Once I hoped in Jesus. Now I know he's mine. Once my lamps were dying. Now they brightly shine. Once for death I waited, now his coming hail, and my hopes are anchored safe within the veil. Amen. How beautiful are those words. Just like the sense of like maturing that is going on it just it just so elo- eloquently describes our, our our walk of faith that our desires change our kind of like hopes and longings change and i for me my favorite, my favorite phrase line is once i hoped in jesus now i know he's mine it starts off with a hope. It starts off with like, you know, you just you trying, but, but then there, there comes that encounter, there comes that revelation, and um, yeah. So if poetry is your thing, if words is your thing, get into poetry. Mission phrase is full of great poetry. <laughs> yeah, so good. And, but if, if words aren't your thing, I'd also encourage you, like, another, one of my favourite things to do is, is to look at paintings. Um, there's an artist called Charlie Maxey who does stuff that you probably recognise. But again, it's just another well that you can drink from that, um, that can just capture your heart, that can just grab you and just, just takes a moment to behold something. So I just want to show you, this is um, a painting called The Prodigal Son. I just, I could just look at this painting forever. I love how the father is fully embracing the son. He's given him a proper wet kiss. And he's fully embracing his arms. The son looks like he's not wearing a shirt. He might be feeling really bare. He might be feeling really vulnerable might be feeling really lost and the father is just wrapping him up and just I don't know it just just so captures my heart this is the heart of the father this is the heart of God that we worship this is ultimately his heart this is what he wants to do to humanity and there's another painting that he did called the prodigal daughter which I love as well being a dad of girls gets me going in a different way because it taps into my father heart as well but in this picture the girl is limp she's just she's just come to the end of herself she's um, they seem to be surrounded by this big like endless abyss this kind of like mist and this sense of like this is obviously my my thoughts on the, on the picture obviously you can speak to you in different ways but there's this I don't know if you can see it but it's 
it's like this dust, this like this background noise. But all that matters is the Father. And and he is again just fully, fully embracing her. He is holding her close. There's no place that he would rather be than holding his daughter. I just love it so much. But we've just got to let him do that, you know. I don't know, in this, obviously I'm reading into the painting, but it's like, she, at what stage did she let the father hold her? At what stage did she say, okay, you can hold me now? And I just think it's just, what it speaks to me when I see it is like, okay, hold me. I just give you permission, Lord. I want you to be close to me. The third painting I want to show you is the same, same artist. It's called The Book of Love. And um, he's painted on onto Bibles. So there's like lots of books open at different different parts of the Bible. And I love this because it's just a beautiful reminder that every page of this book is touched by love. Every page that you read of the Bible, there is something that and we can forget this when we read it, but it's touched by the love of God. We might not always see it for what it is, particularly reading Leviticus. Love Leviticus? I don't know why I picked on Leviticus. Then. I had to do an essay recently on it. Anyway, but it's all touched by this love. And it just, I just want to come back to what I said at the beginning. If we don't have this affection for the Lord... If we don't cultivate this affection, our religion is so dry. It's so dry. And it gets very religious and very right and wrong based, very judgment based, should and shouldn't do based. But that isn't the heart of the Father, okay? So yeah, I just hope that, hope that that encouraged you and inspired you a little bit. What are your wells? What can you turn to? If you've got five minutes before bed or at lunchtime or what, maybe, you, maybe, got, maybe you're free in the morning for a couple of minutes, what can you do? Obviously, we haven't talked about music as well. Like Music is, is a really beautiful way of, of tuning in. You can have those songs that... Well, it's almost as soon as you start playing, you're just like, oh, yes, I love you, Lord. So that, that's, there's all that as well. But I just want to encourage you today. Where are your wells? Where are you drinking from? How are you cultivating an affection for Jesus? I don't want to get to the end and I meet Jesus. And then I think, oh, oh, that's who you like. I was doing all all out of duty. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Amen. Amen. Good word. Thanks, James. You want to share something? Yeah, okay. Yeah? Which one? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay.
So Anna's going to play a song that she wrote called Spoken For. Come on. I just encourage you just to listen to the lyrics. It's, it's a song that Anna wrote. Can I share about it? It's so funny talking about someone else's song. But she wrote, she wrote out of a really difficult place. And it's speaks into what we've just been talking about. The sound's not on. Do you have to just let it rip? Cool.
good. Commands. <laughs> Being encouraging Anna to keep writing songs. How good is that? Yeah. 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 She's got a really, really good We just want to keep encourage you to keep writing songs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to keep going. I love that song. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's on SoundCloud. It's on SoundCloud right now. Check it out. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you for listening, guys. Um, be encouraged. He loves you so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah.